Welcome to my podcast, Tea with Twiggy. In each episode, I speak with a good friend of mine or someone that I find fascinating, all whilst enjoying a good cup of tea. I always enjoy these chats and have no idea where the conversation is going to go. And I hope you'll enjoy them too. I'm really happy this week because I'm going to chat to my lovely friend, Charlene Spiteri, who you know as the lead singer in Texas, this fabulous band. And she's a singer, songwriter, and one of the nicest ladies on the planet. Hello, Charlene. How are you? Hello. Oh, this is so lovely. No, it's a real treat. It's absolutely pouring the rain where I am. So to be honest, it's just lovely to like, sit down and have a chat it's and just, do a good old chin wag. Because I started doing these podcasts and the, the lockdown happened, it's just my way of you know, seeing my friends and people I love and people I admire. It's lovely to check out for an hour or two and just have a chat. It's lovely. I love it. My husband just like walked in the door. I told him I'm doing a podcast at today. I just saw him. He's going, where are you? And I'm just like going. <laughs> he can join if he wants. <laughs> no, he's back out again. <laughs> Whereabouts are you where it's pouring? It, actually, it's raining here. I think it's raining. I'm at- in North Wales. Oh, I'm in North Wales at our house there. Yeah, we've been here since the first lockdown. Oh, how lovely. Oh, North Wales is so beautiful. Are you up in the kind of mountainous bit? Yeah, well, we're, we're up, yeah, we're literally in the middle of the countryside and it's it's absolutely glorious. I mean, even when it's raining, it's glorious. Yeah. It's just so beautiful. And we're just really lucky to, to be able to have that here mm-hmm. and, and, you know, get away. Um, popped back to London when we were allowed um, a couple of times. Took Misty back originally for the end of college and then that didn't happen. So then we're back. But um, So yeah, is been, your daughter really back nice. with you? That's Misty, right? She's Misty's back in London at the moment okay. because she is in sixth form just now, and she is. I mean, basically, she's doing all her work at home. She's doing online, um, but she's doing um, uh, art, fine art, graphics, and photography. Mm. And she has to be doing like she has to be at home at the moment doing doing that like in London because she's got to collect because it's her final pieces. She's got to collect when she's allowed they're going in one by one to collect all the final pieces um to be able to work on them at home so and the oh, big well, pieces I wish so that's it's, uh, my heart goes out to that age group actually through i mean it's it's hard on everyone but that age group particularly if they're doing exams and you know and the end of school and seeing their mates and you know, meeting their friends, falling in love, all the things you do. Exactly. I mean, at that point where when, you know, guys never first and boys start coming into your life and girls start coming into your life and all that kind of stuff, it's really really important just that finding your friends and, you know, your adult friends and and, because, you you know, you've changed so much from, you know, going from school to college and it's – um. She's just not been there. She's not been there at all. Is she coping all right? Yeah, she's been absolutely fine. She's been really, really up. I think, you know, the way all of us are looking at it is like, well, you know, this isn't personal. It's like happening all Mm. over the world. And, um, you know, we've kind of um, looked at it in that sense. And, you know, I I lost my mum the week just before the the first lockdown. Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, 
very unexpectedly and um but we were lucky um we were just so lucky that we were with my mum and you know I think that's the way we're looking at everything just now we're just a bit like you know what there's people who are literally they've got family and friends getting taken away and that's it they just don't see them again and you know I just I just don't know how you could cope with that because just having that two weeks with my mum was just home when um we found out she was ill was just like I mean it was it was pretty it was rapid it was literally we found out my mum wasn't well and literally within two weeks my mum was dead and it was literally like it was like you know it was just like a whole like crazy time and that that was why you know initially I didn't go straight back to London I came back I came to Wales um as as they were just about to lock down so yeah just after the funeral Oh, well, thank God you had those two weeks with her. That must mean so much because, as oh you say, God. there's so many people who haven't had that through this horrible. Exactly, news. and that's the positive that we've got out of it. We're just like my sister and I were just like, and you know, the the nieces, all all the nieces and the the grandchildren and everything. Everybody was all together, and we yeah. were just so well, so lucky a huge to have blessing, it. Actually, exactly, huge exactly, blessing. and just to have you know, like for my mum to be there and just to to be with us and say what we had to say and 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 you know see that she was okay like you know she was a bit that's what it is I don't really want to go but that's what's yeah. happening you know and the fact that she was able to have those conversations with us and everything was just you know that that was just a blessing in Absolutely. itself is that now I, I did read in your bag that your mum sang and your dad um was a musician yeah, as mom. well as a C. Is this where you get all your musicality? Well, my from? dad, my dad wasn't a musician. My dad just he could play a bit of guitar and everything. And that was why I played guitar. But my mum's family, um, my mum's comes from a real musical um, oh, really? musical family. So that was what, what I grew up with. My gran and granda. Um, my granddad was an amazing pianist and um, played accordion and everything. And my gran's house, like once a month was always these, these big house parties um, <laughs> where everyone had to get up and do a turn. And that would be like whether it was sing a song, tell a story, you know, read a poem, do whatever it is you had to do, tell you a joke. But you just, you had to perform, <laughs> you had to get up, do your thing. And, you know, we we as, we as kids um, really, I mean, we really like, you know, we were like, let me on, let me on. You know, it's my turn. Um, <laughs> but it was it was great because my gran and granda's house was fantastic because they had all these instruments and lying around and you know none of us were ever you know I, I was we were all self-taught and just what we picked up from my granda but we used to have a big Hammond organ like pump organ in the in the porch of my gran and granda's house you know my cousin Mark Rankin who was the singer in the band Gun. And he, um, it was like the two of us, it's amazing that we both became musicians, but literally one of us would hold on like the underneath of it and like start pumping the, the bit <laughs> and the other one would be playing it and we'd take turns doing that. And honest to God, if you'd seen us as kids, we were just like, we were like always, especially between my cousin Mark and I, it was always like a little bit of competition. And then we both ended up in bands. Was this, was this in Glasgow? Yeah, in Glasgow, oh. in, in Finiston. Yep. Oh, how lovely. Now, as your as this is uh, tea with me, have you got your cuppa with you? Or haven't you got of course one? Of I have. I've got, I mean, Bryn's actually just making me another one. I don't know what he just came in and took the cup. What is your tipple? Um, I like a nice, um, at the moment, 
I'll be honest, I didn't realise that um, tea bags had so much plastic in them. I'm going to sound like some kind of mental oh, eco-warrior here now. I didn't know that. Yeah, loads of tea bags have got plastic in them and it's really bad for you. So I've been, that's what I've been doing. I've been doing a little bit of finding like my biodegradable tea bags. Oh, and... for, oh just loose tea yeah that's what I, i've yeah, got i've just got a teapot tea. that's got a kind of strainer built you know but you know oh, it's nice. a metal strainer that you take in and out and you put your yeah. fresh tea in that and actually it does taste better it's and i it did because it i did go over to you know loose tea ages ago but occasionally when you're in a rush you just bung a tea yeah, bag a in. tea bag but there must but must be some that don't have plastic in are there yeah, there's quite a few. There's quite a few out there. There's like some really good ones that you can get. Um, I know that. Um, I mean, if you're just looking for a regular one in the in the supermarket, the one that you can get in the supermarket is PG Tips. But it's they've got to be the triangle ones. That's oh, the okay. ones that are the biodegradable with no plastic in them. Oh, that's really handy. I absolutely didn't know that, and that's really important. That's unbelievable. But they should never. Yeah. Why do they make the bags with plastic? I don't know. I thought I don't, they were I have kind no of idea. biodegradable kind of paper. Exactly, but you, that's what you think. You think all that, but no, it's got plastic in it, and the plastic's going straight into your body. It's a bit like Teflon, isn't it? Like yeah. We never knew that Teflon was like running through all our bodies so much. But, <clears> you know, it, that that's that's what it is. It's like, yeah, it's got that. It's full of plastic. So what, what tea do you like? I mean, do you like herbal teas, or do you like the good old builders? I like... I like a good old builder's tea. Yeah, um, <laughs> I do like, I, I really like an English breakfast. I quite like a French breakfast sometimes. I like a breakfast tea because I always think it's quite fresh. Um, and I like that um, that that one in Paris, the Mariage Frere. I like Mariage Frere's teas. Oh, they're that. really, uh, they're really nice. The, some of the flavoured ones are really, really good. But I like more the kind of like lemongrass and ginger and yeah, stuff like that. I like that. I like lemon Which, and ginger you know, and I like fennel yeah. is lovely, fennel tea. Fennel's really nice. That's yeah, lovely. I like that. And chicory tea as well. Oh, I haven't tried that one. Yeah, that's nice. So you grew up in Glasgow, right? I did. And yeah, was that all your life? Because I read somewhere that you lived near Loch Lomond for a bit. Is that true? My yeah, my parents moved out to Balloch in Loch Lomond oh, when I would have been. I'd have just been nearly at the end of primary school, so I think I was going into primary seven um, when when my parents moved out to Balloch, and. Um, you know, they thought, oh, we're giving them a great life out in the countryside. And, you know, I loved it. I mean, I think that's the thing is that I think probably for me, um, I can really easily jump between the countryside and the city really, really easy. It doesn't, you know, I mean, probably as I've got older, I mean, I think it's the same for everybody, but as I've got older, definitely I'm more country. I like, I just like to be in, you know, digging my garden and planting my plants and, pulling on my vegetables oh, you're and all a bit that kind of, a gardener, of stuff. Are you? <laughs> I love gardening and we've got again going back to my grandparents, my granddad had a, an allotment when we're across the road in the from the bowling green when we were growing up and we used to spend all our time there and probably a lot to do with why my my cousin and I became songwriters because there used to be a, a bus stop across from that you could see through the gate. And when we would help my granddad in his little allotment 
he would you would be sitting on this bench. He'd made this little bench. He used to sit with the the sandwiches that my gran had made, and he would say, "Okay, tell me their story." And it would just be looking at people at the bus stop, and we each had to make up a tale of what that person's life was. Like you would look at what they were carrying, or what they were holding, or who they were with, or you know, and you had to like then make a story. And I guess maybe. That's why we did become songwriters. It's definitely got something to do with it, I think. How interesting. Because it, it, I'm sure that sort of input when you're that young does do something within you, don't you think? Yeah, I think it definitely stirs something in you. I think, I think you know, definitely the way you grow up and what your surroundings are, you're either going to, like, shun it and be like, you know, d- depend. I mean, but I think when things things are good and they're filled with love and they're they're, you know, you feel connected to them, then yeah, you will. But you know, definitely, what you see as a youngster definitely molds you in many many ways. Did you when you were did you always know you wanted to either perform or or be a musician or no? Because no. didn't you didn't you? I went to art school. Oh, did you? Yeah, I went to art school before I had left school um I was doing I'd been accepted to Glasgow School of Art on the Saturdays and was doing that and then I, what was going to happen is I was going to go to art school um and that was that was the whole plan I was going to study art and uh I ended up getting a Saturday job in a place called Irvine Rusks in Glasgow which is a hairdresser's and because they were like super cool and super trendy and they had Catherine Ham that boiler suits and you know seriously <laughs> I mean I was literally like, oh, my God, they've got Catherine Hammett. What is going on? You know, do you remember the big boiler suit that Catherine Hammett did that was the one that came across like that with the big zip? Yeah, like brilliant. They had them, and I was thinking, that's insane. Um, and they had, they also had a Pagliacci um, bus in their window, and I was like, and I knew there was only, like, I think four of them in the world um, that had been made, and I was like, this place just looks cool. And I walked in and, you know, you know what it's like. You're so brave when you're young. And I was just like, yeah, you know, yeah. They were like, have you done this? I was like, yeah, like, <laughs> of course. I that's how I ended it. up. That's that's how I ended up in a bloody band. I was like, you know, when I first met Johnny, he's like, do you? I was like, yeah, of course I'm right. Christ, I mean, why wouldn't you, right? <laughs> you know, basically most of my life has been lying Bl- to be completely Bl- let's call it bluffing <laughs> yeah a bit of bluff a bit of blag and a lot of lies there we go so did you do the hairdressing before you formed the band yeah I was I was then um I had literally qualified as a hairdresser and I was like I traveled with Irvin Rusks as well and did like these kind of like hair shows and stuff with them where you know we would all the models were going to catwalk and stuff and we'd done all these mental haircuts and stuff <laughs> and I went to like I went to America with them and all over Europe with them and then I was just about to turn it was the week before my 18th birthday and um yeah I was like any youngster I was out clubbing and every weekend and I you know a load of my mates had started this this club up they were a bit they were a good bit older than me and um, I was kind of taken under their wing and, um, you know, Colin Barr and Kelly Barr. And they um, they did this amazing night called Fresh in Glasgow, which was like, they started doing barn dances. I mean, it was like in the time where you could just do all mad stuff. <laughs> and um, I get into that and I was, I was always obsessed with music. And um, there was a guy called Tony McCrimmon that used to play Northern Soul music. 
um, and he played the best non-soul music you've ever heard and, and Glasgow especially was, you know, apart from, you know, outside Wigan, Glasgow was really big on Northern Soul. And that was kind of where my passion, I used to do like a little bit of DJing on a, on a Sunday night at Fresh and that, that was that as well. But I was just, it was all about getting dressed up, dancing, he playing music, having mad hair and, and I never, ever, ever imagined that I would end up getting into music till through the club and stuff like that somebody that I knew who knew Johnny who's my songwriting partner Mm -hmm. and bass player in Texas said you sing don't you and and I you know again I was like I was just about turn 18 I was like yeah (laughs) yeah I was like, yeah, yeah. Um, and it was weird because um, and he says, oh, yeah, come on Tuesday. I'll never forget. He said, come on Tuesday night. You know, there's a guy, he's putting, a, a, you know, something together and, you know, come down and, and see what happens. And I never turned up. And I got this phone call from the friend of both of us called Sparky. And I'd known Sparky for years because he played football with the guys that I, that I shared a flat with. And um, he, he was like, where are you? And I was like, I'm, I'm doing night classes, you know, with the hairdresser. Oh, was yeah, like, I'm yeah. doing, we're just Tuesday night's night class night when all our models come in. I was like, I'm doing night classes. I'm I'm, I'm in charge tonight. And um, he was like, well, you're supposed to come and sing. And I went, fuck, I thought that was a chat up line. I thought, you know, I was like, I thought it was absolute rubbish. I was like, yeah, oh, yeah, you can be in a band. I was like, yeah, whatever. Um, And then I left there and I went, and I'm, I went in to this friend of ours house and, um, and he's like, so can you sing? And, and I was knackered from work. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, well, what are you going to sing? And I was like, I'm going to do, it should have been me, Von Elliman. I'm going to sing that. And I just like literally, like bold as brass, rattled out, it should have been me, like looking at my watch going, I need to get my dinner. And then I sang, <laughs> I sang a culture club song. I sang, uh, what song did I sing again? I'm trying to remember. Oh, come to me. But anyway, those were the two songs I sang and he had recorded it just on a cassette. And Johnny, who's my song of partner, was in Altered Images and then Hipsway. And he was on tour with Eurythmics at that point. And um, Hipsway were splitting up and uh, Sparky took the tape, gave it to Johnny. Johnny heard it and went, right, I'm coming back. And the two of us met, and it was really funny because when he walked in, I was like, "Bloody hell, you're the guy for all damages. And that is how Texas was formed. Brilliant, isn't it? I love, I love these stories of how you know things come together by chance. You know, yeah, it's a bit like what happened to me. Shouldn't have ever happened. It was one of those weird million to one things that happen, and you think, well, that shouldn't have happened and then you know that's a story like did. that you couldn't I know. you couldn't actually plan it could you it's no you brilliant. couldn't and that that's the thing is I mean I'm, I mean I bet you still to this day just because I know you and I know what you're like I bet you still I mean just hearing you saying that there you must look and go see images of yourself <laughs> all over the world and kind of and like you know you're known worldwide and you must kind of look at it sometimes and go oh yeah she oh god that's me like you know that, <laughs> yeah. that little bit sometimes you look and you kind of think oh yeah she looks yeah oh god she's and then you're like christ that is actually me and then it's, it's that mad. it's mad you i know, do sometimes think you know 
I do. The, you know, this should never have happened in a million years. I would never have gone after it. I was so shy and insecure. And I hated what I looked like, like most teenage girls. So I would never have done any, you know, done anything to try and do it. It just yeah. was one of, but like you went in, you were fearless. You were yeah. hungry. You wanted to get home. You thought it was a bit of a joke, and you you probably sang your heart out and was and it was probably brilliant because you weren't nervous, you know. Because sometimes when you meet people who are who want something so badly or are very ambitious, and they kind of they overdo. Do you know what I mean? They kind of kill it yeah. because it's not it's it's they want it too much. Or but if if something just kind of organically happens like that. That's when a bit of magic happens, I think. Definitely. I mean, I remember years ago, Peter Kay saying to me, um, and it was really interesting, and he said to me, he says, you know what the, the charm about you is? And I was like, what? He says, in your mind, you still think you're a hairdresser <laughs> and somebody's going to, and you're going to get rumbled at any minute. <laughs> he says, that's what makes, that's what makes it exactly right, because you really want to do it you're like like you love it it's like it's your passion it's what you love to do he says but there's just that little thing is and, and you know I never thought about it and I thought yeah because I, I never get bored with it you know I never it never bores me I mean there's the stuff that disappoints me like within the music industry yeah. and you know stuff that decisions and and the way it runs and the people that run it sometimes and I'm like you know I just think sometimes it's ridiculous um, that disappoints me, but there's there's never any point where I think I don't want to do this. You know, the route there really isn't. That's lovely because you know I'm unfortunately in the world a lot of people have jobs that they hate every minute of the day, and I always feel fortunate that I've yeah. had a life and a career, well, many different careers doing things that I actually really love and adore. And yeah. I and you obviously feel the same. I really so, do. So when when you once he got that tape, how how soon was it that Texas came together? A week later. Oh my goodness! So he must have known that. Did he know all the other members before that? No, there wasn't. It was only the two of us. Oh, he got um. So he was on tour with Eurythmics, right? And it was and Annie Lennox got sick. They were in Amsterdam, and Annie Lennox got sick. And they had to cancel two dates. So in that gap of two days, it's really funny because I've talked to Annie about it and I've been like, you know, you've got a lot to do with the fact that Texas was formed. <laughs> and basically her getting sick, he came back. And in those two days, that's when we formed Texas. Wow. Then he went back out, finished the tour. And that was it. Then Texas was full time. Did you tour the band before you did an album? No, or did we you started. An... We started writing and making demos, and um, it would have been a year from. So I would have been like just turning nineteen at the point where we signed our first deal, um, to to Mercury Records Universal, and um, that was what that's what went on. That you must have been so excited, were you? Yeah, literally, I was <laughs> bouncing off the walls. I was still, I was still working as a hairdresser for that year, um, and I would be literally going in, working all day, and then going to, over to our friend Sparky's house to write songs at night. And um, I remember going to my boss and saying, um, "I'm, I'm, I'm leaving. I've, I've just got a, a, I've just got a record contract." And she was like, "Her and her husband, um, Irvin and Rita, they were like, wow." And I had the tape, and it had on, "I don't want a lover." 
so-called fret what's it so I'm trying to remember them there was yeah every day now it was like I don't want to love it every day and I remember playing them two songs and they kind of went wow and they said well listen good luck we Aww. really hope it works for you and if it doesn't you know your job's always here Aww, so, so and you you know I knew I had something to I've always got my hairdressing to fall back on if it if it goes wrong <laughs> Well, actually, I've been cutting Lee's hair in lockdown and I've never done it in my life. I said, oh, my God, you're so brave. And oh, he actually cut I... my hair. My hair had got so long. I said, oh, just chop off the bottom. Everybody's, and he... everybody's taking part on it's doing things that they've brilliant. never done before. I thought I'd cut the dog's hair. You do know what? I cut the do- yeah, I thought I'd cut the dog's hair. <laughs> so basically, so we get we Welsh terrier, right? And I thought, how hard can it be? I was a hairdresser. You know, still get that little bit of arrogance to me. I mean, how how hard could it possibly be? And um, I got, I went on the internet and I bought all the stuff. I was like, get the scissors, get this. I had scissors, but I was like, I'll get the clippers, I'll get the special clippers, and I'll get this. Oh my god! A bit honest to god, that poor dog. I mean, I th- I put it up on my Instagram like photographs of me kind of like bit by bit doing it because it was really fun. At one point, you should, the dog was like, that. like you should just seen the state of her. Like, you know that thing where I was going, I need to claw this back because literally the dog looks like a complete lunatic. Um, And I was like, I take the whole kitchen was covered in dog hair because she was beginning to look like a bear and I thought, oh, and it was roasting in the summer. I thought, I've got to cut this dog's hair. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, there's me and my clippers. I was like, I can do this. But she has that. She's one of those ones that has like the little eyebrows and like a wee beard. So not cute. easy. Not easy. Now your husband's a chef, right? He so does is that a mean chef. you don't cook? You joking? I wish that was. The... I said <laughs> to him last night. I literally said to him, you know, if I had a chef, do you know what I mean? I was like, we were talking about there was some program on about like you know lose weight and da 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 da. And I was like, you know, I got to stop eating junk. Blah blah blah. I mean, if I had my own chef and I'm like, well, you know, I'm actually married to chef. What am I talking about? I have my own chef. Why am I doing all the cooking? But um, no, so we've been kind of taking, we've been taking turns. Um, Misty's a really good cook as well, but oh, she good. cooks like loads of like, she does loads of like Asian food and everything, which is really good. Yeah, lovely. So, I, lo- I love yeah. cooking. Actually, I've, I've enjoyed, I mean, because we haven't been to a restaurant now well, since the first lockdown. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I cook every night. The only and... reason that Bryn's been to the restaurants because we've been opening it, shutting it, opening them, shutting oh, them, opening them. It's been a nightmare. How's he coping with that? He said every all restaurants are in the same boat. So, yeah. it's, you know, again, it's like, it's, it's not. But the, the thing is, is he is, you know, it's like, is he said if the, it was it's the opening and closing and the opening and closing that's that's really doing them the damage because they don't know where they stand and then the wastage of like when then you know when they tell last minute what they got all that food yeah. they've got all that food and you know it's like it's like we you know when they close down that one there you know they've literally ordered and like on a day to day basis just to try just in case things did get shut down mm-hmm. and. um and it was it was weird because then when we went to after it, when the food that was left over like, went to the food banks and we're like okay do you need more food? and they were like we are f- like there's so much food coming in wow. from restaurant everything like we are literally inundated there's too much coming in we need to slow it down so yeah that I mean that's the one interesting and hopefully good things that people you know 
I mean, saying that, look, look at the food that the government were sending out. Are you joking? That's an embarrassment. That's like the most disgusting thing I've ever seen. I know. But, I mean, that's the one positive thing that's come out of this awful, awful time is that people do seem to be pulling together, being kind to each other. Yeah. Hopefully the planet is recovering a little bit because people aren't traveling as much. And, you know, one has to look a little bit at the positives, don't you? Yeah. Were you about to go on to, because you've got a a new album that's just come out. Hi. Yeah. I love the single. It's fabulous. I've been playing it a lot. It's really good. Oh, thank you. Everyone get it. It's really good. Well, the album's coming out. It's coming out in a few months. We've not decided on the exact date yet. But um, yeah, we were supposed to be out in October last year. Mm-hmm. That got cancelled and we moved it to May. And I'm, I'm really sorry to burst. Like, everybody's going to go, what? Do they know something we don't know? I mean, whether the promoters do, but we've been moved to 2022 now. Have you? Yeah, so yeah. we're going to in 2022. I think probably the safest I mean, I keep yeah. hearing about things that people think are going to happen in May and June. I don't think they can. Do you Not... know what? I'm a bit like, just it's better to be safe than sorry. I agree. Just, you know, you we've know. come so far. Yeah. And and the thing with, well, it's, you know, music venues and, you know, theatre, you need that grouping together of everyone. You, you It's an exactly. impossibility. And I think... You know, it, my heart goes out to a lot of kind of musicians who are used to just being on the road. It must be so hard. I mean, I think the musicians. I mean, I think the young musicians. It's going to be really, really hard because they're just they're they're start yeah. a career, you know. So that's going to be really, really difficult. I mean, for uh, for those musicians that are established and luckily enough, we've we you know we're we're financially in a, a place yeah. that that we can afford to sit and not go out to work and, you know, be creative and all yeah, that yeah, kind yeah. of stuff, we're fine. But the people that, you know, you really worry about are the people that, that basically their living is being on the road, all the roadies, lighting people, stage people, say, it's not just you know, catering. It? It's like in the no, theatre, it's the, the backstage the performers, people. That... Yeah, a lot of the performers are the luckier side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, I'd say a lot of performers are the lucky side of it, but... Um, it's, it's everybody else that literally goes from one tour on to the next tour on to the next tour and between that doing you know maybe a theatre production or a, yeah. you know a, a, some big you know these guys, these guys that's the thing is everyone doesn't think about it but they do like whenever there's like a big event an arena or a stadium those are the guys that are setting all up they're the guys that are flying the lights in they're the guys that are putting all the sound stuff in and you know setting all these you know all that scaffolding the scaffolding that's that you right. see in all those seats that's what those guys do on a day-to-day basis and they're the ones that are not you know they're the ones that are not earning and they're those are the ones that there's no support for them whatsoever no it's it's really 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 awful well let's let's hope you know by yeah i hope we all get out you know and i hope they all you know are managing i know some of the guys that we work with have kind of like you know, I, I kind of go, oh, please let them come back to us. You know, that they're literally like doing different jobs. Yep. The great thing is that some people have decided to do a job that they dreamt to doing for years, but never had the guts to leave the job they were in. But then suddenly, because the job's not there anymore, they're like, 
I'll have a I go. had to do that. Yeah, I'm going to give it a shot. And then suddenly they're like, this is what I love and this is what I've dreamt to do. And kind of their hand's been forced to do it. Yeah, well, it's like we were talking before we started recording when I when we first came on today about, because um, I was saying my husband Lee has been, you said, what's Lee doing? And and I said he's been, he found some old poems that he'd written 20, yeah. or 40, 50 years ago. And, and the last year he's been writing his his poems, new poems to add to the old ones. And then we started talking about, and I love what you said about that, well, reiterate what you were saying about how some people are, because fr- I was saying it's often yeah. hard to get poetry published. Published, and- yeah. And, you know, I was saying, I was saying that, you know, you know, Lee's well enough knowing that hopefully a lot of people that will give him that support. But it is really hard because I think there's such a, a stigma that goes along with poetry as well, because, you know, a lot of people think um, that it's kind of for the upper classes mm-hmm. and it's like it's kind of like, you know, depending, I guess, depending on what generation you are as well, um, kind of don't really they feel that it's it's a bit scary and that, that it's too, you know, highbrow for them or something and yeah. they should it's it's not for them. But the amazing thing is is I've noticed that especially during lockdown I'm seeing loads of like young um especially young black males doing amazing poetry I've seen on television. Mm-hmm. They keep coming even in adverts and stuff you keep seeing them pop up and just doing the spoken word. And the amazing thing is is that, you know, in comparison to like something like you look at the spoken word within the black community as well for instance rap music a lot of it's very hard and there's a lot of um push and pull to it but the amazing thing about the poetry that you hear in a lot of like um young black artists doing is like it's like it's just this beautiful flow and a and a far more it's it's strong in what they're saying but there's a softness and a gentleness to it that's really, really beautiful. And I think it's really interesting. I think it's really interesting to hear the two sides of of the written words yeah. um, in that community. It's just is really, really important. Don't you also think, I mean, songwriting is poetry, isn't it? I mean, s- some more poetic than others. But, I mean, when you when you write, do you write the lyrics first or the music first or does an idea come to you or do, is it all mixed it up? Just, it just all mixes up. There's never any really rules to how we do it. Um, but it's it's just, you know, sometimes I guess I don't, I have I have that slight fear of sometimes dissecting something because yeah. then if I kind of try and dissect it, then I might, be go, I might break it and think, oh, yeah. I don't know how to do it. Oh, I get that. Um, for me, it's funny because some people, when they write, will use a word because that's the exact word they want to use and they'll manipulate the word into the space. Um, whereas for me, I need the word to just slot into the space easily. Mm-hmm. So, like, I tend, like, lyrically for me, it, like, um, sometimes probably there would be a better word to use but for me melodically it doesn't work so the melody melodically and lyrically needs to really flow easily for me that's interesting yeah do you have any kind of heroes that you absolutely were i mean i my hero who i loved and adored was Joni mitchell i'm i, I became obsessed with her actually <laughs> and to me she's a poet she's a poet 
She, you know, she is a poet. Yeah, I would say she was more poet. Yeah, definitely than, than anybody. So have you got somebody like that that you just were obsessed with? For me, I, I was always obsessed with the Beatles. Oh, how interesting. You know, for me, just that that kind of, like if you listen to the Beatles records and, and the, the, the writing is um, musically and lyrically, um, the flow is really it's perfect mm. it's never it's never harsh and it's never like i don't quite know what they're saying the diction is always perfect on all the records That's you listen true, to them yeah. the diction is for me diction is everything you know there's a lot of stylized sort of singing and, and music where it's like i'm like i have not got a clue what they said there's like <laughs> raw raw i was like it's the word yeah because i i i'd I love lyrics. That's that's probably why I love Joni yeah. Mitchell so much. And I love country music because it's very it's very lyrically led. Yeah, and it's it's very again diction. And it's funny um, diction when I was growing up. You know, even like the pop bands. Even if you listen to like Blondie records, for instance, Debbie Harry has got yep. perfect diction. It's all you can hear every single word that she says. It's like you know the same the same with Chrissy Chrissy Hind. It's like you can hear yeah. every single word that Chrissy says. Yeah. And it's for me, it was so important to hear the words. You know, I grew up with like the music that I grew up with. My mum was very into jazz and soul, so I had like people like. Um, my mum was into like Mahalia Jackson and Staple Singers and Ella Fitzgerald and all that kind of stuff. Also along with Al Green and Marvin Gaye and everything. So that was from my mum's side. And then my dad's side was kind of like um, the Birds and the Stones and the Beatles and Creedence, not Creedence Clearwater and everything, all that kind of stuff. And I had that side and the country bit as well, like, you know, Dolly Parton and... Oh. Uh, yeah, it was just like you know, Gene Clark. Loved Gene Clark. It's like there's lots of different stuff that that um I grew up with, and you know, even stuff like through my dad's recollection, like the Eagles and stuff. You know, every word, everything that you hear, you hear every single word within it. And for me, that was what you know. My mum and dad gave me like they had an old dance set record player. They gave me that. They gave me all their vinyl. Nice to sit, and there was loads and loads of Beatles records. And they just sit, and it was the harmonies, like the Beatles harmonies were like insane. Oh, insane! And, but it's a real scouser thing. That harmony is like, yeah. see if you try to do it, you can't do it. <laughs> so it doesn't matter how hard you try to emulate it. It's like even if you hear the lads when the lads do the harmonies, you go the scousers. You just know the scousers. How interesting! It's like, That's interesting. It's, I don't I know. It's like a tone, and it's like. If you hear it, you're going, you're hearing it, it's bang on, but it's slightly off, but only they can do it. Wow, that's amazing. And, and I don't know how it happens, but it's something in the, the you know, it's like if you, twang. Yeah, yeah, if you go to someone from Glasgow and you get them to sing a country song, I'm not kidding, you'd have, think, you'd have thought they just stepped off the bus in Nashville. You're literally like, you can't tell that we're not from that part of the world because for some reason scotland and country music it just sits it sits in our accent is it big in in scotland because in england because yeah. i'm a country country music was massive when i was growing up country fan randy travis dolly parton 
Loretta, I mean, Ava all Luhard of them. Is I mean, the I actually once drove over a hundred miles to see Dolly Parton in concert in 1975. I think it was. I was. I just thought she was the best thing I'd ever heard. Oh and, my god! Um, she was on. I was living in California in LA, and she was performing in a quite a small theater. It wasn't a big stadium. It was kind of you know, when she wasn't doing the big gigs, it was before that. And um, we drove uh, over 100 miles and saw her and then managed to get backstage and meet her. And she was so great. I I, was was so nervous. I said, oh, my God, I can't believe she she said, oh, I can't believe it's Tweety. (laughs) And And I was like, oh, my God, I'm hyperventilating. She knows who I am. She knows who I am. She was so bloody brilliant, though. I mean, she got on that stage oh, and she she had those incredible long nails and she played that guitar. Oh, my God. See, when she plays that guitar and when she plays the banjo and oh, those nails, amazing. you're literally going, there's a really amazing bit of footage with Hank Williams and Dolly Parton and they're sitting there on some chat show and she suddenly just, and he plays the guitar and she sings and you just like, she gets it back. You're like, it's oh. just insane. Misty actually bought me for Christmas the Dolly Parton. She's just done it's a book, a beautiful big coffee table book, and it's all the lyrics of Dolly Parton. Oh, and I'm wow. not kidding, it's one of the most present. magnificent things you've seen. But you know, to me, she's one of the great songwriters. Oh, she's oh. an amazing songwriter. And the thing is with Dolly Parton's a lot of people don't know the songs that she's written. I know. You know, and that because a lot of people, you know, it's like when you see her live and she tells that brilliant story about um, when um, Elvis wanted to do I Will Always Love You. (laughs) And she said it was the middle of the night and she woke up and the Colonel was on the phone and she, she was like, she was like, oh, my God, Elvis, the king wants to sing my song. I'm like, this is insane. And then they said, but we take 100 percent at the publishing. And she went, and I love it because Dolly was just like, I might be a country girl, I might be out for the mountains, but I ain't stupid. You no, ain't going to present of that. She's, she's really yeah, shrewd. She's but one she, shrewd lady. But her, I have to say, I mean, I loved Whitney Houston singing it, but her I Dolly's it, version yeah. of I Will Always Love You just, it breaks, it always makes me cry because it's it touches your heart and your soul. and Yeah. It really does. She's it really amazing. does. Oh, I'm glad you love Dolly. I love Dolly too. <laughs> but I have to say, talking about great songs, one of I mean, I love a lot of your songs, but one of my favourite is Black Eyed Boy. Did was you wrote that, didn't you? Yeah, myself oh, and Johnny wrote Black Eyed Boy. I love that. Where did where what was the inspiration for that? Was there anything or it just It was um it was Northern Soul. It's got that it was it started off with that, you know, the Yeah. It was like and that that was that was basically what we, we wanted to create that whole Northern Soul dance and feel, you know, when you do this a slide in the Northern Soul dance <laughs> and we were trying to create that. I can't even remember how we came up with Black Eyed Boy. Yeah, I think it was like about talking about, you know, we were talking about someone being, you know, when your eyes get really dark and you're sad and you're down. And and that was, even though it's a really uplifting song, there's that that darkness mm, to it as well, great lyrically. Song. Great song. Um, but, um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's really, I mean, it's really funny because I'm sitting here like, 
chuckling away in my head because I'm thinking, you're talking about me, talking about our songs, and my daughter doesn't give a hoot. She didn't go. I told her I was doing this podcast, and it's the first time she thought it was cool. She went, oh, my God. <laughs> Twiggy. Twiggy's my icon because my daughter Aww. has just, like, she's just started doing some modelling. and oh, um, lovely. Yeah, it's oh. been it's been it's been interesting. It's a tough time to start. Well, a tough time to try and start anything, but um, but well, that was it. Yeah, yeah. That's what I said to her. I said, she's just she did um she's done British Vogue and Italian Vogue. Brilliant. And, um, yeah, it's been good. But I said to her, look, don't because it's that thing where because of the lockdown as well that she can't continue work. And I said, look, just be calm. Be cool. You've done these things. Sometimes we do That's too much right. anyway. It's not good. So take a breath. And finish she's, your school. She's, she's young enough. Yeah. My goodness. She's young. Don't, yeah. You don't realise when you're that age. But, you know, she's got so much time. And and I'm glad she's doing, you know, the, the studies as well. That's brilliant. Yeah. I did say to her, I said, look, you better have a plan B. She was like, yeah. I've got a plan B and I've got a plan C, mum. I went, good girl. I was like, <laughs> She's a Virgo. What can I say? Oh, is she? I'm a Virgo. What's her birthday? You're a Virgo as well. Yeah. Oh my God, Stella! <laughs> everyone, oh, we'll have to get everyone, together. Everyone, my, everyone, everyone that I know is blooming. All my friends are Virgos. But oh, all Vir- I'm Virgo rising. I'm Scorpio with Virgo rising. Oh, you Scorpio? Wow. Yeah. Wow. So my rising sign's Virgo, but yeah, I'm surrounded. Both my managers are Virgos. I've got oh, like you know. Fun. Surrounded by Virgos. The, the, I mean, I think we're wonderful Virgos, of course. But and, and we I all think we, Virgos we, are we wonderful. All, we always think we're right. And I always say to my husband, it's because we are. <laughs> Basically, that's exactly it. Listen, if you ever want anything done, go to Virgo. Just that's, go to them. Like go and true, see actually. a Virgo and just say, Okay, I'm trying to like do this or I'm trying to I'm trying to get to there. A Virgo will work out exactly how you're going to get to the point that you want to get to. That's true. Actually. And give we're, you great advice. We're very, I think we're, well, I'm very organised. I'm very, um, yeah. I, I said to somebody that I, I'd actually make a really good secretary because I can organise things and and I'm very, it has to be the right order. And I'm not the tidiest person in the whole world. My husband tells me. Really? I'm not, I'm not the messiest, but I'm not the tidy. And the Virgos are meant to be really tidy, but it's Misty well, that's tidy. The side, that's the side. Well, no, do you know what? Misty's not tidy at all. No. Um, and literally, she said a few bollockings about it. Like, I literally <laughs> go in because I, I've got the Virgo, the Virgo rising sign, which I've got the part, the part of it that is really tidy and really organised. And literally, I go off my head mess I can't be doing with I'm really OCD I'm like oh please ah, but, yeah that's interesting I'm literally like no <laughs> dirty room dirty mind if your mind's not clear nothing's going to work nothing's going to happen your head's full of nonsense I go on a rant about oh, it yeah it's not it's so not funny. it's not great but no I love I like but in saying that I bet you when you do need to clean up or organize you do it exactly right yeah I do Actually, again, when lockdown ha- happened, like we all had to, you know, I've become a really good cleaner. <laughs> I'm really good at ironing. I used to love ironing years ago and then I didn't do it anymore. But I, I do had the to ironing. iron last night. I did ironing last night. Actually, I didn't <laughs> mind doing it because I wasn't in a rush to do it. 
but I had two massive baskets of iron in it. I've just been avoiding it. I so I, st- I stood in front of the television last night with ironing board and I was like, welcome to lockdown. Here we go again. <laughs> I was like, I love doing laundry. I love doing laundry. I hate ironing, but I love doing That's laundry. Have you, learned, have you learned any new skills? Like, I mean, I've been knitting um, a lot and sewing, but I, that, I've, I always, I've always done that. But have you learned anything I new? I crochet. And oh, do you? I, like, oh, I took up, I took my sewing back up again. My mum was a, my mum was a, a window dresser, so she was um, a window display artist. So, oh. like when we were like growing, I mean, she was a brilliant seamstress as well. Um, and when mum, when my mum passed away, she said to me, she was like sitting in the hospital. She said to me, she went, listen, she went, see all that fabric I've got in that cupboard. And you know, like when your mum tells you something, it's like yeah. it will tell you exactly where you're going to go. You know the cupboard and things like that? I was like, yeah, yeah, She went, you know all that fabric that's in there? I was like, yeah. She went, do not let that go to waste. And we're like, I'm not going to throw it out, Mum. She was like, okay, like, take the good stuff. There's really good stuff in there. Like, all those beautiful... I was like, okay. She went, do something with them, but make sure that they don't get just get chucked. I was like, we're not going to chuck them. And it was really nice because there was this... this really lovely um there's a bunch of girls up in glasgow and what we did was we gave quite a lot of the fabric to them to do ppe so they made up and they made my sister and i and all the the girls in the family like this beautiful heart from my mum's fabric and gave us all with lavender in it oh that's gorgeous and then i get i took a load of it the stuff that i wanted that i really liked and i've been making these really big long cushions and my sister was like oh can you make me some of them for the house so i've been making all these cushions with like my mom had loads of like braiding and loads of Fabulous. stuff so i've been making loads of stuff with that and draft excluders as well very oh, nice yeah, draft actually, I, i've got to make a draft excluders excluder because <laughs> we've got one door that really really lets the cold in and and well, that's um, what I, I mean these these old houses i know i know well it's been absolute joy talking to you i can't wait that when was the last time we saw each other i was trying to think earlier it must have been i know when we did we saw each other no we saw each other at when stella did the yellow submarine thing at the cinema oh gosh yeah that's right when was that year and a half two years probably no it's not two years Maybe year a, a year and a half. Yeah. Maybe a year and a half. Yeah, yeah. that's that the last fun, time I saw actually, you. It? it was really good fun. God, I saw that when it first came out. You probably weren't born when it first came out. When did it come 67. out? 67. I'm and 67. You... And when did that come out? Can you remember? It must have been around that time. 67. It's got to be around about. It might have been. Yeah, it's probably around. You know, I think I somebody up, was around about then. I was a teenager when the Beatles happened and I was one of the I mean I often say to Paul like it it makes me laugh because I I was one of the screaming girls who went to one of the (laughs) I I managed to get me and my friend Ellen we got a ticket to the Finsbury Park Astoria no when I was 13 and a half and I had to get permission from my mum and dad that we could go because I lived in northwest London and that was in north London it was quite a long way and my dad said you can go as long as I pick you up you know because we were 13 and a half yeah and um and we were so excited but I do remember and I've said <laughs> I've said this before you couldn't hear them because we were all screaming so loud and you couldn't hear anything 
I mean, amazing that you saw the Beatles. Yeah, like, I, I mean, did. just to see the Beatles full stop must have been like phenomenal. But to see that them must have at been Finsbury about, Park. It well, I was about third. It was about 63, 64. You know, I was a schoolgirl. And when we came my out, God. I mean, it was stupid, really, because when we came out, me and my friend, we rushed round the back because we wanted to see them. But of course, they were yeah. long. They were long gone. They'd got them out before they opened the theatre doors, and. My dad had told us where he'd be, and and we we'd forgotten about that because we were going to see the Beatles, and my dad was <laughs> beside himself because he, he oh. it took him half an hour to find us, and it's the only time, bless him, that I ever remember him shouting at me because when he found right. us, he was so relieved <laughs> that he lost it. That he lost it, bless him, because yeah. he was such a gentle, lovely. I loved my dad, but um, that's the only time. But it, it it's so weird that I actually got to see them and you weren't yeah, even born <laughs> oh I know 67 I came along that was me uh, feels like about 167 years now <laughs> we've been sitting in lockdown that long I'm like come on well hopefully there is a light now at the end of the tunnel we, we I hope. can't wait to actually see you properly in real I life I know I know we will and I want to, we must get together with Misty and Carly and that would be nice. Definitely, that would be really good that'd fun. And I look forward to hearing Lee's poetry. Get it oh, out yes. there. Yeah, we will. He will. He will. He there's will. So, do you know what? More than, There's never been more time to like have to, to have poetry. I think people need it now I think more so. than anything. I'll tell him that. I'll tell him that. He'd like that. Go for it. We will. Well, thank you ever All so right. much. Stay safe, most importantly. I will. I'll be digging the garden. Go back and shear the dog again. <laughs> no, I'll be like dig, digging the. I'll be digging the garden. I'll be like, I'm literally just going. Please rain stop. Says we're going to get snow this weekend, but I'm a bit like, oh, you lucky thing. I know. Oh, I'd I'm love like, that. Come on. I, we're in Sussex. I don't think we, we haven't had any snow. No. no. Oh, we had a couple of weeks ago. We had snow. It was absolutely glorious. Oh, we had a, we had a sledge tied to the back of the gate, and we we're getting dragged through the fields. <laughs> brilliant <laughs> no you that's the thing that's the thing is i can do that at the moment because i think if i break a leg and break an arm it makes no difference to me because i've got plenty of time to let it get, get better, better. <laughs> well do be careful oh, well, I promise. <laughs> anyway i love you lots thank you ever so much i'll talk to you soon definitely bye, bye. Oh, that was fabulous. I, I just got this mental picture of Charlene's dog having a haircut. Absolutely brilliant. Not only is she a wonderful, wonderful singer, songwriter, but she's a dog's hairdresser. Brilliant. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Hope you're having a lovely day. Bye. <laughs> if this is your first time listening to Tea with Twiggy, please do remember to tell your friends. You can also subscribe for free on your podcast app and listen to all my previous guests. If you want to connect with me, I'd love to hear from you. You can find me on Twitter at Twiggy or you can find me on Instagram at Twiggy Lawson. My thanks go to all the people that have helped this podcast happen. Many thanks to James Carroll and all the team at North Bank Talent Management. Thanks to all the team at Stripped Media, including Ben Williams, who edits the show, my producer, Kobe Omanaka, and executive producers, Tom Wally and Dave Corkery. 
The music you can hear now is my version of Waterloo Sunset by The Kinks. If you'd like to hear the whole song, you can find it and all the other songs I've recorded on iTunes and Spotify. So check it out. I look forward to you joining me for my next episode. So see you then. Bye. You just heard a stripped media production.